Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we explore the subtlety and nuance inside the world of personal protection. Listen as industry experts, thought leaders, and pioneers investigate why it depends is the answer of champions. Ballistic Radio, critical thought over empty rhetoric. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance. Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdinance.com. And now, here's your host. John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at BigTechsOrdinance.com. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, other stuff at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. I am super, super pleased and honored to welcome onto the show for the very, very first time uh, my uh, my dear friend and someone I look up to, uh, Mr. Rick Remington. Rick, how are you doing? Good, John. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty okay. Pretty okay. So, what I would like to do, I've known you for a while, um, and I think I think this is going to be a great episode. But before we get into all of that. If you could let me, well, let me, let everyone else know uh, who you are, what you do, and we'll get right into it. Well, my name's Rick Remington. Uh, I am the owner and chief instructor of foundational defensive training up here in Northwest Washington State. I teach at the Skagit Shooting Range, and I specialize on teaching new shooters, mm-hmm. uh, bringing people into, into shooting. Uh, I've got the usual, I've got the usual certifications, NRA pistol instructor, range safety officer. I'm a range master certified master instructor and, uh, pretty much what everybody considers a training junkie. I'm the perpetual student. Mm-hmm. I, uh, seem to be, uh, it's always seem to be going someplace, taking classes from somebody. So, uh, this has kind of become my hobby and I, and I enjoy bringing new people in. That's kind. That seems to be my specialty. So I remember a number of years ago, I was interviewing Michael Grasso, uh, Mike Grasso, uh, the the famous Mike Grasso, and Indeed. he was he was talking about how uh, Kathy Jackson and him were both on the show, and they were talking about essentially how the most experienced people should be who are teaching the new folks. So the, the people that are brand new at something, oftentimes it's viewed as, Oh, well, I'm just going to teach. I'm just going to teach new people. So I don't have to be very good. And honestly, Rick, if I had to pick what I think that should look like, you would probably be the best example I could point to. So you have, you have sold your, you've undersold yourself a little bit. Like you, you left off uh, winning the TACCON match uh, in 2019, I believe that was. Uh, And I know that you have achieved quite a high level of performance at pretty much everything that you've gone and done. So if if for whatever reason you're listening to this, you don't know who Rick is, he's very humble in addition to being very skilled. So please keep that in mind. So you're 
you're kind of viewing your specialty as getting new people in. And I'd kind of like for you to explore that a little bit, if, if possible, what, what goes into that? And why is that the direction that you went to, I guess? Well, um, to borrow a phrase from the awesome Tiffany Johnson, uh, I am what is considered a gateway instructor. I am generally the first point of contact that people have, that new people have with, would you call it the more serious part of the gun culture, the more Mm -hmm. educated part of the gun culture. Sure. The, and it is very important for us as the gateway instructors to be gateways and not gatekeepers. Right. Because we want to bring people in. Self-defense is a human right. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your political beliefs. It doesn't matter who you sleep with, any of that. It is a human right. So we need to be welcoming and bring all those people in. Uh, About 50% of my students do not own firearms yet. Uh, about 25% of my students have never shot a fire. So I'm working at the basic level and starting from, you know, basically this is a gun and demystifying a big part of my job is demystifying what firearms are and how they work so that people can become comfortable with it. I use a quote from Marie Curie, uh, because a lot of people are coming into this. We have in the country between five and seven million new gun owners in the last two years. These are people that have never owned firearms before. And a lot of them are coming from a place of, I won't say fear, I'll but I will say concern for their personal safety. This has spurred them to start showing some interest in this area. And the quote from Marie Curie says, nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. So now is the time to understand so that we may, we may fear less. And that is the approach that I try and take in my classes is helping people understand what these things are. Once they understand what they are and they understand how they work and how to handle them safely, then the fear level drops down because it's not a mystery anymore. Now they have more knowledge than just what they've seen on TV or the movies or something like that, or what they read in the headlines, that these things are just, you know, they have a life of their own and they'll jump up off the table and and start shooting people. So this, to me, this is, this is the, the level that this is where I have to start as a local instructor um, is demystifying these things and helping people become comfortable operating. 
man, there are so many different directions I want to go with this because you said like 10 really incredible things. Let's start with the idea of a gateway versus a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. I, I have some thoughts on that, but I guess my first question for you would be, do you think that traditionally there's been a lot of gatekeeping that's gone on inside of firearms training? And if so, what did that look like and what should be done differently? I think it has been evolving. It has been changing over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I think there certainly is much less of it now than there may have been in the past. Um, I have, I never experienced it. I have not experienced it myself, but I have heard of it secondhand that, for example, a woman going to a, a shooting class, um, may be derided or put down or whatever in a way that is absolutely not helpful. Uh, they are there to learn. It is our job as instructors to, to be there for the student, to help them learn. Then that's another thing is every student is an individual and we have to do our best to try to teach to that student as we are moving the group along. Um, I've, I've heard horror stories and one of my goals when I started my company was to break the stereotype of the local instructor, uh, to provide absolutely the best instruction that I could at the local level. Um, the local instructors are extremely important because we're convenient and we're accessible to people in the area. Um, local people that are new to this don't know about companies like Citizens Defense Research or Rangemaster or FPF Training or any of the other national instructors don't know to go to them uh, and basically aren't ready to take those classes yet and that's a big part of what I do is try to help my students prepare, be prepared to if they want to expand their knowledge when a, a one of the national instructors comes around they will be ready to to take that class but um, I have like I say I haven't experienced it but I've heard stories and I'm sure the further back you go in our nation's history I'm sure there was also racism came into play uh, certainly sexism came into play and we're seeing less and less of that, but it, it is not, I go out of my way to make sure that I'm not trying to turn people, my students into me. Right. Because this is, this happens to be my hobby and my passion. Uh, and most of them don't, you know, I'm a proud hobbyist. Yeah. Uh, that's, that started out as a pejorative and a lot of us wear it as a mantle anymore. Well, and the the thing about that, and we've got to go to break, 
but I, I think you touched on something that I would, I would like to explore a little bit further when we get back. The, the thing that I really think a lot of people miss, especially a lot of instructors miss, is you know some of the things that you or I or any number of our friends, some of the things that we all do make sense inside of the context of people that have really incorporated this stuff as a major aspect of their identity or life or something like that. And those things don't necessarily transfer over to someone that, hey, I want to know a little bit more about this. I'd like to be generally safer, but this isn't going to be like my thing. And, and I think that, that that's kind of part of this. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that when we get back. Right now, we're talking with Rick Remington. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordnance.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. Legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the X9 family of firearms, which offers discriminating shooters 1911 match grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity, as well as reliability at wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Rick Remington and kind of the, it, it wasn't necessarily a question so much as a jumping off point, but the, the difference between people that choose to make this a lifestyle versus are just looking for ways to incorporate it into their life as it already exists and how, how all of that works out. And I guess your role in that as, you know, someone that is their first information, essentially like their first glimpse in all of this, how, how, how do you manage that and balance it with students? That is, that's one of the big challenges. Uh, but it, the, I think the, the first most important part of that for me is, is like I said before, is I'm not trying to turn them into me. Uh, as you said, there, there are some of us that have adopted this as our lifestyle. This is what we do for recreation as a part-time occupation, things like that. We, this and partly as our identity and that it is not fair to accept excuse me it's not fair to expect our students to become that as you said most of them just want to be safe and get some more knowledge and understand everything that is involved with owning a firearm and potentially having to use it I look at it as um, almost like a jigsaw puzzle. They come in they ha- and they have this, at most, a pencil sketch, a pencil outline on the box of what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And I have to take the, the full color pieces that are inside the box and start plugging them in so they get 
so they can see the picture and understand what the picture is. Um, as you and I know, we can we can give them the picture and then as time goes on, ideally we can start turning that into a 3D picture for them because there is so much to this. Most of them are not willing to invest that much time and money into it. So we need to give them as much of the picture as we can so that they understand, okay, not only how to safely handle a firearm, but how to, how to shoot a firearm for a pistol fairly well, but also understand the legal ramifications and responsibilities of owning a gun and using a gun in a deadly force incident. Most people get to that point and are happy at that point and willing to stop. That's as far as they want to go. Right. That's as far as they're willing to go. Um, so understanding that, which I try and tailor my classes to that, that actually takes two one-day classes to get through all that. Um, mm -hmm. just, just because there's you know, the one thing we don't have enough of as instructors is time right. with our students. Uh, so we have to have to kind of pick and choose our battles on on what we teach in the order we teach it in. My goal in the first class is to get them to be able to safely handle a firearm and understanding have a have a have an in-depth understanding of the four rules and to be able to safely manipulate and handle the firearm. That's about as much time as I have during the first day. So the second day we get in the second class, hopefully they come back for that. And a fair percentage of them do. We get into the legal side of things um, and work on their shooting a little more. So that's about as far as most people want to go. Now, once in a while, you'll get the student that becomes enamored with, the, with it and wants to go further. That's when we start, get to start really having fun. But, but it's not fair to expect most people don't want to do that. They just have some secure, some concerns about their security, whether it's an individual security issue or just the general feeling they're getting from the country after the last, after COVID and everything that's happened in the last few years. Right. Um, they just have a, this sense of unease and they, and I want to, it's part of my job is is helping them understand that the gun is not a talisman that they actually need to know something about it. Well, and that's, man, there's so much you could get into. And, you know, for, I've always kind of thought if I, if I were going to impress upon people that are brand new, uh, one thing, just one thing, it would be getting them to understand <clears throat> sort of how risk works. And when I say risk, I don't even mean like risk of violent attack or like how you, how you manage risk versus mitigate risk and, and all of that stuff. But like more of the idea of negative outcomes and the totality of all of that and how our own actions affect that and, and how sometimes negative outcomes don't even come from an external source they can they can just be something we're doing and like the importance of 
I mean, everything you're talking about teaching on like your first day of class is ultimately from the perspective of here are some potential negative outcomes and here are all the ways to mitigate the risk of those. And, you know, knowing you personally and like having had many conversations with you, I just, I think it's so cool that, you know, people can come and take a class from, you know, regional instructor that's thinking about those things too. And like structure and curriculum based off of that. Um, something that you were, were sort of talking about was, you know, most people only take it so far. And then every once in a while, someone becomes enamored of it and they, they go further. And that's when it starts to get fun. And you can get into a lot of the nuance and interesting things about this. My question is, how do we subtly encourage people to do that without being overbearing about it? By trying to make it as fun as we can, we're dealing with a, an extremely serious topic. Mm-hmm. We're talking about potential life and death here for ourselves and for others. But by trying to keep it as, I don't want to say low key, but trying to keep it as, as light as can be done mm-hmm. while discussing that, while talking about those things. Um, I, one of, one of my favorite things to do in, in my PowerPoints is I will find a, and just an absolutely egregious picture of somebody wearing a holster upside down or something like that to try and get a chuckle out of everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to break up a little bit of how serious all this is. Um, Try and I don't want to say be gentle, but there's absolutely no knife handing going on in my class unless there's a safety violation. Sure. Sure. Right. Um, And that to me is part of, of being the, the welcoming instructor is to make sure that uh, my classes are not confused with uh, Marine Corps boot camp. Uh, well, because- and that's and that's something that you see a lot of. Well, when I say you, I'm that's something I have seen a lot of is, you know, instructors that have new people that don't understand uh when or where, you know, inducing stress in a student should happen. Um and you know, as you're saying, like having the first couple of experiences that people have when they're new be pleasant or as pleasant as it can be is huge. Yeah, it, it, it is very easy. It would be very easy to turn people off. Yeah. It's a lot more difficult and a lot more challenging. And it, at, from an instructor standpoint, a lot more fun to turn people on 
Is phrasing a thing? Are we still doing phrasing? I, I feel like that, we could. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm loving this right now because <laughs> I actually know the exact shade of red that you just turned. But no, I, I agree with you, though. It, it's, it is super easy to, you know, give someone a negative experience and, you know, essentially just, yeah, I'm never doing this again. That sucked. But like nurturing someone's curiosity and and making it a thing that they're excited about, especially like you said, given the subject matter. Um, it's, hey, do you want to learn about all of the ways that you could potentially die or hurt someone else on accident? Does that sound and wind, fun? And wind up in jail for the rest of your life. Yeah, let's let's make that fun. But like, that's the challenge. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that's, super important um we've got to go to break and i have another question for you when we get back right now we're talking with rick remington and you're listening to ballistic radio welcome back to ballistic radio brought to you by big text ordinance where every customer is a friend not just an order, visit them online at bigtextordinance.com. And hey, this segment's also brought to you by Big Text Ordinance. Big Text Ordinance is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the candela from Modlight at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and, well, now you need an optic on your pistol? Hey, Big Text Ordinance has those, and they're probably not going to say anything to your mom. Glock accessories, yes, fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, Big Tech's Ordinance has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike, everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike too. Visit BigTechsOrdinance.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. Anyway, um, so we're talking with Rick Remington. And the thing that I want to ask you is, you know, given the importance of, you know, presenting as someone that is welcoming and encouraging and supportive and also trying to make, you know, nurture a student's curiosity in such a way that they continue to explore this, what do you think the biggest mistake is that is made uh, that that does not accomplish that? Because I can maybe think of a couple of ones, like just things that instructors do that doesn't seem like it would be a big deal, but but probably is uh, as a negative or maybe even as a positive. We could go that direction too. But like, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, my first thought when you said that was pushing too hard, mm-hmm. pushing students too hard. As you, as you said, there is a time to start inducing stress, start introducing stress and building on that. So they start getting a feel for it with new shooters. That is not the time. They are generally, when they walk in the door the first time, they are stressed for a couple of reasons. Like I say, half my students don't even own guns. Um, 
a quarter of them have never fired guns before. So they don't know what they're getting into. So they're nervous. They're nervous walking in the door. And if we start incurring stress right off the bat, if we start introducing stress to them uh, right off the bat, that's going to actually be counterproductive. It's my job to take as much of the stress away from them as we can. Right. The um, now we need to eventually, as they move down the path, start, you know, okay, we're going to bring out the shot timer just to figure out where we are here. So they start, you know, then they're, then they get the, all of a sudden, oh my God, what's that thing? And I've got to, got to hurry up. Well, that's a form of stress. Doing that too early, I think is a mistake. Yep. One way I combat I help lower the stress level for students is uh, we do a tremendous amount of dry work in the classroom before we ever go out to the range. So by the time they step on the range for the first time, they have, they have become very familiar with how to operate the pistol. The stress of just, okay, how do I load it? How do I unload it? How do I rack the slide? things like that is gone because they have done so much of it dry in the classroom. So that is one way. So then all they have to do is, okay, we coach them on their stance a little bit and their grip a little bit. And uh, we use reasonably generous targets um, at a fairly close distance so they can see successes Mm -hmm. uh, pretty, pretty early. And which builds confidence. And once they start getting a little confidence, that just builds upon itself. The, um, the first, our first class, we fire up to a hundred rounds of ammunition. Some sure. students, some students don't shoot all of it. Some students may shoot a little bit more if they're, if they get the hang of it really quickly. Uh, but other than safety, and I express this to them before we go out onto the range, other than safety, I have no expect, you know, I have no requirements of them on the range. Sure. Um, I have had students fire one round and stop and that's it. Okay. Um, they go out, they take a break. They may come back. I've had students go from, Start them out. I start them out with nine millimeters. That may be too much. And I dropped them down to a 22. Pretty soon they've figured it out. They're back to nine millimeters. Um, it, one thing I have found is my goal is to be a teacher in the classroom and a coach on the range. And words mean things. Um, I don't want to be an instructor on the range that says, just do this. No, I am there to help you figure out how to do this out in the range. I look at myself more as a coach on the range than an instructor. And I am blessed to have a rotating group of assistant instructors that help me on the range that are excellent, that uh, work very much the same way. So we keep a pretty I run small classes, maximum size of six, and there are always 
at least two of us on the range coaching, which gives us a lot of time for individual attention. Uh, and we've had really good success with it. Well, and <clears throat> the thing that I think, so you acknowledged it in what you were saying, but I think it bears like specifically pointing out is, you know, sometimes people fire one around and then they sit down and it's really easy for me to lose sight of the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm 39 years old and I've been shooting for 35 years. So I've got a lot of time with an explosion happening at arm's length in front of my face. I'm pretty, pretty used to it at this point. Um, You know, so for most people though, the first time that happens, especially if they had, any sort of emotional attachment or investment uh, preceding the event, like that can be a big deal. It can be super stressful. And I guess, you know, allowing people space there, it's not something that necessarily gets talked about a lot, but it's pretty darn important. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. Um, we go out to the range in my first class. One thing I do is I, I get everybody up through working from the holster uh, at least dry so that they know how to safely draw and reholster a pistol uh, thinking that this may be their only class that they take. They should probably know how to do that right now. Uh, when we get to the live fire portion, holster work is optional, but we do not start out from the holster on the range. We start out working off the bench. Okay. And yes, uh, I certainly have had students that have had incidents in their lives where this is, this is echoing a traumatic incident that they have had. Yeah. And I, it's, it's my job to understand that. And I try and teach to every individual student. And I explain this to them before we go out in the range that everything we do out there other than safety is voluntary. Mm -hmm. If you want to fire just one round and stop. Awesome. If you want to fire a few rounds and take a break, that's fine. Uh, I said, we shoot about a hundred rounds in that class. We shoot 50, then we go back in the classroom and take a break and for about 15, 20 minutes, have a snack, have some drink, have a drink of water, and then go back out and start our holster segment of the class and finish up. And like I say, the holster work is optional. Some people just want a gun for home, for home protection. They do not intend to carry outside the home. That's cool fine. We're going to be working off the bench. I may even take a gun bag and put the gun in the bag and say, okay, now unzip the bag, take the gun out of the bag and, and do that. Um, because not everybody is, not everybody has the same desires and goals. Uh, I have had, I I've had students come to class because they were just gun curious as as Professor David Yamani says, mm-hmm. they just wanted to know more. Yeah. Um, and they may never wind up owning firearms. 
that's fine. Um, I'm just there to try to help provide information for them. Well, hmm. let's do this because we're, we're coming up on a break and I don't want to have to interrupt something super intelligent that you're saying. So right now we're talking with Rick Remington and you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Big Tech's Ordinance, where every customer is a friend, not just an order. Visit them online at bigtechsordinance.com. So, I guess the, the, we're in the last segment of the show, and the thing that I would like to explore a little bit and get sort of your thoughts on regarding all of this, right? I would make a strong argument that, or I could make a strong argument that most of the national instructors and cool guy instructors, um, you know, and if, if people are including me in that, that's, that's fine. um, Are of much less value overall to the, the, you know, gun community than the regional instructor or the local instructor. I, I think that, you know, frankly, in the hierarchy of importance, uh, oftentimes it's upside down. So I guess what I'd like to, to hear your thoughts on is how do we get more regional instructors or local instructors to take their craft as seriously and as passionately as someone like Rick Remington does? That's a, that's a, that's a really good question. And I don't know other (laughs) than trying to be a good example. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to say leading by example, but I guess that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about all we, that's about all we can do. Um, do you think that setting expectations or at least publicly talking about um, the expectations that instructors have as far as, and what I, what I mean by that is the expectation they should have as far as what they get out of this do you do you think that that would maybe be something to talk about because i know for me when i started teaching what i was trying to get out of that was absolutely wrong uh and it's something that i look back at and you know, just sort of shake my head. And I understand why it happened. So I'm not going to like beat myself up over it because, you know, people make mistakes. We learn, we grow. But, you know, I think if I'm being honest, what I was looking for was attention and respect and, you know, whatever, like, oh, cool. I'm an instructor now. And I don't think that's what it's supposed to be. And so I don't know if you could take some time to maybe talk about what you think it should be. I, uh, I kind of backed into instructing 
Mm-hmm. Um, the range that I teach at the Skagit shooting range is just across the highway from the Cascade Mall, where there was a, an active shooter event in 2016. Yep. And uh, one of the other instructors there, a uh, gal that teaches one of the women's classes, asked me to help on the range portion. And I found that I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed sharing my passion with others. And so that just kind of led to, well, I ought to go become, you know, get an NRA cert. And then I found out about the range master instructor program and, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. At the time I already, I had already attended a lot of classes. I was a fairly well-developed shooter at the time. So I, I had, I had a, a certain depth of knowledge about it already, which is gotten, gotten deeper. Thanks. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I kind of backed into it. Um, instructors come and go at the ranges at the ranges and an opening showed up. They needed one, another instructor retired and they needed somebody to fill that spot. And they came to me and I said, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do that. And when I started building my class i sat down and i literally wrote out what students need to know in what order they need to know it starting with safety and then and then work from there knowing how to load unload and check a gun uh, which entails knowing how to grip the gun and how to manually operate the mechanism on a semi-automatic pistol what we call racking the slide well it fortunately one of my assistant instructors when i started talking about racking the slide after the class that uh you might explain what that means because new people don't know what yeah it's rack the slide well no they don't know what that means right so it was it, fortunately i had help in in breaking things down to to a level that students could do it but being ex- being accessible uh i'm just i just enjoy sharing my passion i'm not i have no desire to be a, a national traveling trainer i like i like living at home too much right uh <laughs> so i enjoy applying my craft here um so that's kind of how i got into it and the way i look at it well and something else that i have i don't know if you've actively thought about it or not but i've i've witnessed it with you so uh or at least i think i have and i I don't want to presume anything but you know you have been kind enough to host uh melody and i for classes and you have encouraged students of yours to come to our classes and the thing that i have really enjoyed watching in those instances is just how much you get out of your students' success. And I wonder if ultimately the payoff, whether someone's a local instructor, regional instructor, national instructor, I wonder 
Do you think that the payoff, the primary, like the first thing that we get out of doing this is watching our students get better? Yes. Yes. It's, it's because, and, and I have personal, I have, I have experienced this from the other side. In 2019, I watched someone who's been an instructor of mine just about doing handstands and, and somersaults when I was successful because his student was successful. And that is exactly what I feel when my students are successful. It is because for me, it is about the student. It's not about me. And what that means when they succeed, I have done a good job. <clears throat> I was just real happy to see you win, Rick. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing, though, is... Oddly enough, because uh, I remember, I remember <laughs> how I was feeling during all of that, right? And um, this is probably one of the first times in my life that I was really happy I had lost at something. Because frankly, watching you win has lasted a lot longer than that ever would have. And... I guess the thing that I would sort of encourage anyone who happens to be listening to this to at least examine, you know, I, everyone should be examining their own motivations from time to time. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having some selfish motivations to do something, but the primary motivation for this I really think needs to be the student success. And honestly, that experience was one of the first times that I really got that. So um, thank you for being awesome. Now, the, and now everyone gets to listen to you and I both try not to uh, experience a dusty room, right? But so one of, oh man. Okay, we get, we've got time for one more question. We'll go a tiny bit long. Um, if you could leave instructors with one thing and leave students with one thing. So, like, this is your one chance to, like, just tell either of those categories or both of those categories one thing, what would it be? Well, for instructors, uh, as I've said before, it's a, and we were just discussing, it's about the student. It's not about us. Mm -hmm. um, instructors have to make student success the indicator of their success. I'm not successful that I filled a room with, with students and, and got them all through it. My success is when they have succeeded and it's not and succeeded does not necessarily mean that they were shooting one whole groups at four yards. Yeah. Success means that they, if, if, in my case, being the, the local instructor with new students, that they are comfortable, they are safe and they are confident 
in their ability to hand, safely handle a firearm. At the end of the first day, that's what I'm after, that they are, they are safe, they are competent, and they are confident in their ability to handle a firearm, in their demonstrated ability to handle a firearm. Yes, sure. the magic of this is gone. I know how this works. Okay. Uh, that is, if, if I can get them to that point, I don't, really don't care what the target looks like. Okay. Uh, now, some of the students that I get, yes, I care what the target looks like because their their personality, their life experience, whatever, lends them to under to get a, a, a grasp of that more quickly. Doesn't matter. I the person that the person that came in shaking with fear at the idea of even attending this class, getting them to leave with a smile is is my goal uh as far as students um helping them getting them to that point and helping them understand that there is is more and that this can be fun uh that's you know that's what that's what it's about for the student as well rick you're one of my heroes, not going to lie. I hope I can grow up and be more like you. Um, I've, I've learned a lot from you. Um, and uh, I strongly encourage anyone who happens to be listening to this to go take a class from Rick if that is feasible for you, or at least spend some time with Rick if he happens to be in the same place. Because... Um, I'm a better person every time I walk away from a conversation with you. Um, if people want to find out more about what you do or how to train with you, where can they do that at? Well, I don't have a website. I do have a Facebook page, Foundational Defensive Training. Uh, mm -hmm. All the class booking is done at SkagitShootingRange.com. That's where I teach in Burlington, Washington, up north of Seattle. Perfect. And... Uh, if you happen to make your way through the regular training circles and the wind is blowing just right and the, the sun is high in the sky, you might find Rick Remington there too. So, but uh, Rick, thanks so much, man. Um, seriously appreciate you taking time to come on the show. It means a ton to me. Well, thanks for having me. Yep. All right, guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And hey, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. If you think we've earned it, it helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week. Don't